Have you ever had to lose a friend? Have you ever been betrayed by a friend? Have you ever lost a friend? And you realized, you know what? I can make a new friend. Have you ever been there? Yeah. I've been there before. Have you ever spent some money and you think, man, that was a waste? But you realized you could always make more money. There's, all, there's always a chance to get more opportunity. There's always a chance to have something else. There's always a way. There's always a way. But friends, is there a resource that we have that God's given us that once we've spent it, once we've used it, it's gone forever? Do we have anything like that here? Time. Time. Once we have spent time, it's not redeemable. We can't get that time back and it's gone, right? We can't. There's no amount of money we can pay to get some time back. There's no amount of prayers that we can get to God to get some time back, to get some opportunity back. Once we have spent that, it's, it's gone, isn't it? So today we want to spend a few minutes talking about how urgent this message of the gospel is. Urgency. And what we're going to look into is in Luke chapter 16, how Jesus begins to speak of how urgent this message is. Because our prayer is that everyone hears this gospel before they close their eyes in death. True? This gospel is important. It's important, and it is important that it makes it to the ears and into the heart of people all over the world on time. Now, we know that we don't make the time, and we don't, we don't even schedule the events, do we? God has all that planned out. We follow along, but we want to look at our role in this whole urgency of the message. Our role is we get to speak the gospel, and we get a privilege to be at that intersection where God makes that appointment with someone and says it's their time to hear the gospel now, will we cooperate and say, it's my turn to share the gospel? Now, Jesus begins to teach in Luke chapter 16 and verse 19. And this begins our conversation today. He said, there was a rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. There was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores. And desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, moreover the dogs came and licked the sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels in Abraham's bosom to paradise. The rich man also died and was buried. And Jesus spoke these words, and in hell he lift up his eyes being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom, in paradise. Two things you notice automatically from this passage, right? They both died, didn't they? Did you catch that one? It didn't matter how good or how bad or how rich or how poor, they both died. So both of them had an expiration date from the very beginning, didn't they? Both of them, the God said, this is as far as your time is measured, and after this, there's no more. This is it. This is all the days, all the seconds, all the minutes you have allotted, and this is it. And then God calls time, right? What we love in life 
is especially we've just gotten out of March Madness, haven't we? And we're trying to calm down from all of that. What I love is overtime. Anybody else love the overtime? We live for the overtime, don't we? We say, hey, hey, everybody, you gather the family and look, look, we're tied. We've got a few more minutes left. Who knows who will win? We don't know who will win. Take your guesses. Take your guesses. Come on, overtime. You know what's better than overtime? Double overtime. <laughs> yes. We made it. We made it to overtime. And I just want to see how far to go, don't you? But you know what's interesting about our life and our time is we don't get overtime here, do we? With our time and our life, we can't tell God, Hey, wait, time out, time out, time out. Time out. I'm, I'm not ready. Time out. I'm not, I haven't finished my goals yet. I haven't made it across the finish line yet. Sometimes we forget that God's already marked out the finish line. God's already got all of that set. What we find in here, Jesus teaching very plainly that these two men found their finish line, and it was right where God put it. And there was no more time after that. There was no more goals to shoot. There was no more places to go. There was no more conversations to have. When God says time, it's time. When God whispers our name, there's nothing we can do to stay. So what we need to remember this morning is we have just a space of time. We don't know how long that is. God has given us a gracious gift today of time given you and I a chance to sit here and listen to the Lord speak to us about the urgency of a message. These two men both died. One of them was taken up into to paradise. The second went to hell. Jesus taught very plainly here. There's two destinations, isn't there? There's two destinations there's heaven, there's hell. He didn't teach anything about an in-between state. There's no, there's no guessing about, well, I don't know if it'll be heaven or hell. Jesus said, listen, there's two places. There's two choices. There's two places, two destinations. And, and what we do with our time is the most important thing in this life. Jesus taught that the rich man, he had clothes like you wouldn't believe. He had nice stuff. There might be some people in here that likes nice stuff. The Bible says that this man woke up every day and he got to pick what he wanted to put on. He got to pick the nice stuff that he wanted to put on, the shoes that he wanted to put on. He probably had, he might have had a closet full of clothes, right? Who knows what this guy had. But he got to pick what he wanted to put on. He wanted to look nice. He had the money. He had the, the ability to do that. Also, he had the ability to choose what he wanted to eat. I want this, and I don't want that. I want all of these things, and, and I get to choose and make this choice. He had a little bit of luxury, a lot of luxury with that. It fared sumptuously. But what we know is this about this man, okay? Here's our clues. This man was physically blessed, but he was spiritually lazy. Might have had a lot of nice things, and it may have looked really great, but on the inside, he was spiritually dead. He had a lot of nice things in his life, but spiritually on the inside, he was dead. It may look great, but on the inside, death. We find it in my life also, I'll be honest, the more money that's in Josh Edwards' bank account, the fewer prayers I tend to pray. 
you might relate to that too. If I can do it myself, and I can manage it myself, and if I can care for myself and my family, do I need to really pray? Do I really need to pray that prayer? If I, if I work the job and I pay the bills, and then I pay the, the, the food at the restaurant, do I really need to thank God for that? The more physically blessed I am, materially blessed, sometimes the more spiritually lazy I can become. There's another man, though, Lazarus. So Lazarus was a beggar, laid at the rich man's gate, full of sores. The best thing that happened to him was maybe some crumbs fell off the rich man's table. Best thing that could happen during the day. He had to have people come and carry him and lay him there. Didn't have a lot of options, didn't have a lot of, of great things. But the Bible says this, that at the end of his life, he had the most important thing. He had Jesus. Most important thing at the end of his life, he, he had a Savior. Now, there's the opposite found at the beggar at the door. The opposite was this. He was materially without, but he was f spiritually full. How does that work? Now, I, don't, I want you to know that it all depends upon the faith of these two people. One of them depended upon himself to make everything happen and everything right and do all of the good things himself. The other one obviously had to depend upon someone else. Depend upon a Lord to take care of every need that he had. I also find it interesting that we do not know the name of the rich man. But Jesus calls Lazarus by name. I want you to know that Lazarus had a relationship with the Lord. The Lord knew his name. I would say that those two have talked many times, wouldn't you? Those two have probably talked over and over and over. The poor man laying at the gate full of swords and saying, Lord, today, if you don't come through, I won't make it. Lord, if there's no crumbs on that table, I don't eat. If there's no dogs, I don't get any, any relief from these sores. Lord, if you don't come through, I am completely lost. I have nothing. If you don't come through, Lord, I'm in so much trouble. And then just a little ways away, there's a man who says, Well, I've got a lot of stuff to do today, but I've got a lot of blessings in my life. What shall I do with my food? No, I don't want that. I don't want these clothes. You know what? I'll just go buy some more clothes. You know what? I'll just go buy some more food. I'll just do it myself. The two attitudes here of these two people, but God wants us to remember today that we always have to have the attitude of that beggar. That if God, if you don't come through, then I'm, I'm lost. If you don't come through, then I have nothing. I, I need you. I don't want to be spiritually lazy today. I want to put my faith in someone greater than me. But he tells us that there's two destinations, and I tell you today that Lazarus had the right answer. Lazarus had the answer right. The rich man lifted up his, his eyes in hell, the Bible says, and also was able to see that he missed the time to turn to God. 
From this moment, Jesus begins to teach about two cries. There's two destinations. There's heaven and hell. But then he tells us there's two cries that come from hell. This is what happens. Verse 24 says, And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. Do you find that the the first thing that comes to the rich man's mind in hell is this, I'm mercy. I need some mercy. And who's got the mercy, and how much can I get of it? Because I don't like this at all. I really don't like this situation that I'm in, and I'm going to need a lot of mercy. Mercy. The first thing he cries for out of hell is mercy. I need it. And God, you have it. But who's going to administer the mercy? He said, Sin Lazarus, right? Sin Lazarus. Why? Because obviously Lazarus had the answer right. Lazarus has, has something, something going for him. He cried for mercy. Verse 25 says, But Abraham said, Son, remember, when thou in thy lifetime received thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. Now, Abraham wasn't saying, you're here because of, of, of this and that, and God isn't trying to just reverse the roles and, and, and just be mean to you. He's not saying that at all. He's not saying that Lazarus got there because he was a beggar. He's not saying the rich man was in hell because he was rich. He's not saying any of that. But he said, don't you remember that there was a day where you would wake up and you could dress yourself any way you wanted to. You could eat whatever you wanted to. Those days of plenty, those days of, of blessing, you remember those days. But you didn't care about mercy in those days. And now you do. Now you care about mercy. You had, the, you had plenty of days. You had all the good stuff. You had plenty of days where you had all the blessings, but now you care about mercy? No. If you cared about mercy, then you would be the one that was actually feeding the beggar at your gate. If you cared about mercy, you would be the one giving your clothes to the beggar at the gate. If you cared about mercy, you may even invite him into your home. If you cared about mercy, you may even give him a place that's safe. You might even try to find some help for him if you cared about mercy. But see, here's the whole idea. The whole idea was the rich man had everything he needed. And he wasn't too worried about what everyone else needed. But then, in hell, he realized what? I need mercy, and I need help, because I can't do it on my own now. His eyes are opened because he sees that I'm so helpless now. I'm the beggar now. You see the reversal of that? There was a beggar at his gate, and he just passed by. But now, that beggar, because of who he knew, was in a place that that rich man would never get to because of Jesus. And now in hell, the rich man, the one who had it all, becomes the beggar. Give me some mercy. 
Can someone hand me some mercy? Hey, you know what? Can Lazarus come? I need some mercy from who? Of all the people in the whole universe, who do I need mercy from? Please send Lazarus. Look at that. Oh, it's, it flips everything upside down. But that's exactly what the message will do. The gospel will turn everything upside down, won't it? It changes everything. It takes us from a place of, I can do it, to my, I can do it for myself. I don't need anyone else, all to the place to where we get to the cross of Jesus and we say, if Jesus doesn't come through, I am lost. If Jesus doesn't come through, I'm helpless. I need Jesus. Friends, we have to have the attitude of the beggar, don't we? I need him today. If he doesn't come through today, I'm in so much trouble. I'm in so much trouble. We may be materially blessed today. We may be. But friends, you can be as spiritually dead as the rich man this morning and sit in these chairs with us. We need Jesus today. We need Jesus as much as we need our next breath. We need him as much as our next heartbeat. We need him. Friends, we can be in this room and sing these praises and songs, but we can be one heartbeat from hell. We need him tremendously. The first cry from hell was for mercy. And Abraham said, you had your time of mercy. Your time of mercy is over. It's gone. Verse 26 says, besides all this, between us and you, there's a great gulf fixed. So that they which could pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Abraham puts the nail in the coffin, doesn't he? This man is not getting any relief. This man is not getting any mercy because he had time for that. He had time to respond to God. He had time to respond and lay his life down for the Lord. He had time to show mercy. He had time to ask and plead mercy from God, but he decided not to. And what he said was this. Abraham said, listen, it's over now. All of that is done. The gap's too wide now. It's all done. I can't come to you. Lazarus can't come to you. God already has honored your request to live eternally without mercy. God didn't force him into that, but God honored the request. God, leave me alone in my life and let me make my own decisions. Let me do my own thing. Let me care for myself and my family the way I want to. He already gave God the answer and God honored the request. God didn't force him into hell. He chose. He chose. Once he realized in that, that verse 26 there, that the done, the deal is done. It's all settled. The dust has already fallen, and he realized there is no escape. No one's coming. No mercy is being sent. This is what he says. The second cry comes from hell. First was for mercy. The second cry was for a message. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, Father, that thou would send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, 
lest they also come into this place of torment. We find that he first addresses Abraham as father. Father. And he was a Jew as well. Father. But do you find that that relationship and the faith in that relationship is likely what landed him in hell? I'm already part of Abraham's family. I'm already part of God's chosen people. What else do I need? What else do I have to do? If Abraham is my father, then surely, surely God will let me into heaven. Well, the answer is resoundingly no. It's not Abraham that forgives sin. It's Jesus Christ who forgives sin. We have to have the proper relationship. Father, but his cries for this message. Send Lazarus to my father's house. Send Lazarus. Now, why Lazarus? Obviously, he wants Lazarus to, to help. He knows Lazarus' name. He walked by Lazarus daily. Lazarus, send him, please. If you can't send Lazarus to me, send Lazarus to my father's house. But whatever you do, please send Lazarus somewhere. Why is he so fixated on Lazarus sending and going and doing? Why? It's because Lazarus got the answer right. Answer, he answered it correctly. If God doesn't come through, I'm lost. So I need Jesus. I need this Savior, I need this God, and I need all the mercy that they can give me. I need all of it. The beggar got it right. Jesus, save me. Jesus, save me. So the rich man knew this one thing. One thing. Lazarus got it right. Now, I want the man who got it right. I want him to go to my father's house. I want him to be the one who tells because he knows the answer now i'll tell you friends there was two cries from hell this day the first was for mercy he realized it wasn't coming to him so he decided this if mercy's not coming god will you send a message out we need a message to go is not is it not interesting that hell that day cried for a missionary would you please send a missionary would you please send the man who got the answer right about Jesus? Will you please send him? Because I messed up and I messed my time. I wasted it. I did not give it to God. I did not ask for his mercy. I didn't ask for his salvation. I threw it all away. But Lazarus knew. So out of hell, this one voice cried for a missionary to go with a message. He wanted them to go to Africa, right? No. No. Where? His father's house. Send him to Columbia. No. Go to my father's house, Lazarus. Go. And he could probably see in his eyes his father's face. And this is where it begins to be very real, doesn't it? I've got five brothers. I have five of them. My father, my father needs this mercy too. 
my brothers, even though they're mean to me growing up, man, they need Jesus too. As much as I don't like some of the things that they've done and the, the things that they've said to me, what I realize is they need mercy. That I don't want them here. I love them way too much for them to be here. I want them to feel mercy and not flames. Mercy. I say this not out of harshness, but out of true conviction. There is likely a flame-scarred voice in hell crying for your name to be called by God, to be sent somewhere. Out of hell, even today, there may be a voice crying, please send Susan, because she knows the answer. Send her back to our office, because we have lost co-workers there. Please send somebody, somebody to my family's house because Tom knows the answer. Please, please send somebody. Friend, the most sobering thought this morning is this. Our, our names may be on someone's flame-scarred lips in hell. Please send a message. Please send them. Now, God honors that request. Do you believe that? God honors that. It is not just heaven that wants missionaries sent. It is not heaven only that wants the message of salvation preached. But I say this, that even those in hell, they realize that they, they've missed the mercy of God. They want the message sent too. Send the message out so no one else comes here. Send the message out. So hell doesn't fill up. Send the message out so we can finally close those gates of hell. Send it out. Also, friend, you and I are likely the answer to someone's prayers. If we will say yes. If we will say, I'll speak the message. I'll say the words that my king tells me to say. I'll preach that message. But friends, oftentimes it's not in a foreign country. Oftentimes it's not even in our state. Oftentimes he wants us to preach this message not even in our, our community alone. But as this rich man tells us, sometimes he wants us to go across the hall. Sometimes... Preaching the message means we have to go knock on a door in our own home and say, I need you to know about Jesus and what he's done and his extravagant mercy and love for me. I need you to know. But friends, sometimes family's the hardest place to go. The hardest people to reach in our mind is family. But friends, our hearts should burn this morning for their salvation too. Our fixation isn't with the gospel always being overseas. Sometimes it's across the hall, across the living room, across, across the, the recliners. I need to know before your time runs out that you know Jesus. 
And I need to know that in my heart, I have that peace knowing that I told you about my Lord. I told you. And I need to have that peace in my heart too because why? There's two destinations after life. There's heaven. There's hell. There's no in-between. There's two cries from hell today that we can study. One for mercy and another for message. But finally, there's two choices. We can be silent or we can obey. In verse 28, Lazarus was requested to go and testify testify unto them so they wouldn't come to this place of torment. All the rich man wanted was this. Please send Lazarus to tell his story. How did the beggar get it right? What did, what did Jesus do for the beggar? He wanted him to just go testify to the family. Go tell them. Go tell of the good things that God has done. He wasn't a career missionary. He was the one who needed to know that the message was being sent, that only Jesus could save. Abraham said unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And they said, No, Father. He said, No, Father, Abraham. If, but if one went from the dead, then they will... Oh, what's, what's that word? Repent. He knew exactly why he was there. He never repented. He knew exactly why he was in the flames, and Lazarus was not. The rich man was in hell because he never repented of his sins. He never reached out for mercy from Jesus. Abraham told him, Moses and the prophets, Moses gives the law. All of the law points to our need for a Savior, doesn't it? All of it tells us that we can't keep any of the law. We've broken. Even at one point, we've offended, and we've broken all of them. Secondly, the prophets, for even from the beginning, even from the Garden of Eden, that there's a Messiah coming, a Savior coming. Be ready for this Messiah. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. And he came. And so he said, if they have the law, they have the prophets, if they won't hear them, they won't believe, even if one person came from the dead. But friends, we're going to wrap up with this. We do know that the gates of hell are open wide this morning. Equal opportunity. Anybody's welcome into hell. But God won't force you into hell. God's going to allow you to choose this morning. Now, I want to leave you with this one thing. If you flip over to Luke chapter 15, Jesus also teaching on heaven. And he says, 15 verse 7, I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth, more than over 99 just persons which need no repentance. Then he moved down into verse 10, likewise I say unto you that there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repents. Now, as much as the gates of hell are wide and ready and accepting, so are the gates of heaven. And at the gates of heaven, what we're looking for is a Savior. What we know is that the joy of the angels will start to spill over from heaven. Over one sinner. One. God wants us to be the one today who recognizes our need for a Savior. Recognizes we need Him. But also, also, 
that Savior came and died for us. And because of him, we can have life. I invite you to choose today. Two choices. Two destinations. And which one will it be? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for our time. You didn't have to give us time today, but you did give us time to study and to learn. Lord, we're grateful. Grateful for all you've done and given us. But Lord, we pray, Lord, for one soul, for two souls, for many souls today that need your salvation. Come to you humbly. Ask for your forgiveness. And Lord, that we know that you give readily and liberally. In Jesus' name we pray.